Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm a woman of my word. Uh, subtle reminder, ladies and gentlemen, that Nikki Haley is a woman. <laughs> and she's a woman that got embarrassed after losing her home state of South Carolina on Saturday to Donald Trump in that primary 60-40, basically. 20 points. Uh, devastating loss for her. And Donald Trump looks like he's going to get the delegates he needs by mid-March. I think you need 1,200-plus delegates to clinch. It looks like that's going to happen in a few weeks. Not only did Nikki Haley get blown out in her home state, if you zero in a little closer, she lost her home county in South Carolina, (laughs) 64.6% to 34.9%. So her neighbors basically said... Give me Trump. <laughs> yeah, I heard Kendall talking about it earlier today. I, like, I think there's 50 delegates in that state, and Trump got 47. Yeah. <laughs> she only got three. And what was amazing to watch, and I had no idea what they were expecting, but if you watched any of the coverage of the South Carolina primary on Saturday night, like I'm the type of guy that goes channel to channel just to see how the networks are covering things. Right. CNN had a panel of nine people. Good Lord. Like nine people were up there on the panel and eight of them were melting down. You had <laughs> Jonah Goldberg, who's a never Trumper, David Axelrod, who's a Dem, Audie Cornish, a liberal journalist. Cassie Hunt, liberal journalist. Anderson Cooper, liberal journalist. Alyssa Farrah Griffin, never Trump Republican. Van Jones, Democrat. Bakari Sellers, Democrat. And then there's Scott Jennings, the one GOP Uh. guy who, even though he's GOP, he's not all in on Donald Trump, which is fine. But of those nine people on this massive panel, like when they tried to show them on screen, it looked like the opening of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> Eight of them were losing their minds. They couldn't believe it. But They couldn't believe, really, that, that Nikki Haley lost her home state, of what she was once governor? By the amount, by oh, 20%. really? I mean, who didn't see that coming? Every poll Everybody, showed yeah. that. But I guess they didn't want to believe that. And then you had MSNBC's coverage. You had Rachel Maddow who she's still trying to push this narrative that Donald Trump's Trump's cognitive decline is on par with Joe Biden's. <laughs> he did have to read his the names of his, his immediate family's family name, members yeah. mm-hmm. off of a off of a off of a card. He did get them um, all right. And it's, yes, it's true. Um, there's that. There's the you know saying that the auto workers are with him when, as you mentioned, the auto workers just endorsed um, Joe Biden. But he then even tried to credit what he described as the people standing behind me, who he described as national officials, state officials. They're state officials, but they're really 
national. They're the most important state officials in the country. The state, it's the country. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? Um, so there's a, there's oh, a, 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 it's not even stylistic. There's a, there's a general incoherence, um, uncle, uncle ramble standards, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> thing going on with him that doesn't get a lot of attention because the mainstream press, particularly the print press, has much more enjoyed talking about Joe Biden uh, and the signs of his age. But so what does that Trump tell you? Rambling and incoherent, even when he is at his best, and even when it's early in the evening. No, 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 he's not. I, I really, I, there's no comparison to me, maybe whatsoever. You're saying that in media, it's talking points for some of these talking heads, right? That trying to compare the cognitive, uh, mental state of uh, the former president versus the current president. It's it's not even close. Nice try. I, I don't think people are paying attention to that at all. Until Donald Trump starts shaking hands with the air. I don't think I need to hear from Milwaukee Brewers outfielder Ryan Braun, a.k.a. Rachel Maddow, anymore. They do somewhat look similar, don't they? If you don't know, look up Ryan Braun, Milwaukee Brewers, and think about Rachel Maddow in your head. And I'm telling you, I'm crazy plain lady, I am telling you right now, those people have never been in the same room together. Just pointing that out. You're looking it up right now, aren't you? You see it, don't you? I, I, I see the resemblance. <laughs> yes. I want to play you a piece of audio from Gavin Newsom here, Nige. Oh, the uh, wonderful governor from the state of California, okay? Tell me if you think this is saying the quiet part out loud or it's not the quiet part anymore, okay? This is Gavin Newsom on Friday, the day before the South Carolina primary, talking about Nikki Haley. First of all, I think she's one of our better surrogates, so I hope she stays in. I hope she does well tomorrow. All the nasty stuff she says about Trump. Uh, she's spot on on uh, 99% of it, so I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this primary, and I hope it continues, so I wish her luck. Uh, but look, Trump's the nominee. We all know that. You know that. Everybody out there knows that. Wow, that's a one-two punch right there for, yeah, I'd love her to stay in as long as possible. She's our surrogate. <laughs> I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, Gavin Newsom's got the, gave her the endorsement. And then he, then he goes, well, she didn't have a chance, but I'm not going to tell her to quit. Keep doing what you're doing. Like, if you're Nikki Haley, do you put that in, like, your political <laughs> ads endorsed by Gavin Newsom? <laughs> as long as those donors keep giving her money, although the Koch brothers in that organization just pulled out. So, former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer, he put an interesting theory out there after the primary on Saturday night. He was on Fox News. He listened to Nikki Haley's press conference where she said she's not going anywhere. And Ari Fleischer thinks that she's laying the groundwork to run as a third party. You know, I've been around a lot of these candidate speeches. I've written a few. That was a no-labels speech tonight by Nikki Haley. That was a speech when she says, no matter what, I am running. When she trashes Joe Biden, trashes Donald Trump, she is setting herself up to run down the middle. And look, look at what happened in South Carolina tonight. She won, according to the Fox voter analysis, independent voters by 19 percentage points tonight. Now, that's only 7% of the people who voted in the primary, which is why she got her clock cleaned in the primary by Donald Trump. But when you look at independent voters, she sees a huge group out there. And when you look at the country, independent voters are 43% of the country. 
Republicans are 27 percent. Democrats are 27 percent. So she is looking ahead and seeing a swath down the middle that doesn't like Biden, doesn't like Trump. I, I can just feel it. I watched it. My reaction was immediate. Mm -hmm. She is declaring. And so why won't she drop out of the race? Because she sees herself on the runway to something new. And when you see yourself on the runway, you don't pull your plane off the runway. You get ready to take off. That's what she's doing tonight. Third party? Really? I don't know. I, I think, you know, Donald Trump does need those votes. I mean, how many people vote 40% voted right. for her in that primary? I don't know. Maybe she's, I think she's angling for maybe a little bit of leverage with the Trump campaign. But I don't think you can take Nikki Haley's number in the primary and equate it to I'm the saying, general election. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that the, the significant numbers of people have voted for her in these primaries. Not well, enough that's true. To, to beat Trump, but, but, but eventually Trump's going to need those votes. But what I'm saying is, just because Nikki gets 40% of the votes here, those 40% didn't have Joe Biden to vote against on this primary ballot. When Joe Biden's on that ballot, yeah. I think some of those 40% hold their nose, and vote for Donald and Trump. And then maybe she's waiting for Donald Trump to be incarcerated. Who knows? I don't think... And maybe that's I mean, it. look, that, that, I don't think that timeline works out this year. I don't think Donald Trump sees the inside of a jail cell I, I, ever, personally. I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly not this year. The one thing I would like to see Donald Trump do moving forward, pretend like Nikki Haley doesn't even exist. Don't do to her what you did to Ron DeSantis. Don't rip her supporters. Don't rip on her. Moving forward, I need the messaging to be fire Joe Biden. That's all I want to hear moving forward. I like nickname giving Trump. I like it when he goes on the <laughs> stage and he acts like Joe Biden and he can't get off the stage. All that's funny. But moving forward here, Nikki Haley's name should never come out of his mouth. You know you're going to be the nominee. The messaging needs to be fire yeah. Joe yeah. Biden. Nige, if you need a reason to drink tonight, as if this awesome weather wasn't Beautiful. enough. I can't wait to go home and uh, take a long walk. I've got a little uh, something for you here. When a man loves a woman. Happy 71st birthday to Michael Bolton, big Nige. Wow, 71? 71. Wow. Um, let's take a trip down memory lane here. <laughs> Remember when Michael Bolton was singing the national anthem? I think this was at a uh, San Francisco Giants baseball game. And he had the note card in his hand of the lyrics. And at one point, he freezes, forgets the lyrics, has to go to the note card and starts getting booed. <laughs> Michael Bolton is like he takes a lot of crap and everybody likes to make fun of him. He's actually a pretty funny dude. He makes fun of himself all the time. Yeah. He did some undercover video where he went into a local coffee shop and he was singing everybody's order <laughs> as an employee. Nice Americano for Lexi. Lexi, nice Americano for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Josh. <laughs> Is there a Josh somewhere? <laughs> Cali, chamomile tea. Thank you. Oh, you're covered. Hi, Kelly. Hi, soy matcha from Tao. 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 That's for you. 
<laughs> and of course, his name was brought up in one of the great movies of all time, Office Space. Michael Bolton? That's me. <laughs> wow, is that your real name? Yeah. So are you related to that singer guy? No, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> oh. You know, there's nothing wrong with that name. There was nothing wrong with it until I was about 12 years old and that no-talent ass clown became famous and started winning Grammys. Why don't you just uh, go by Mike instead of Michael? No way. Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. Happy 71st birthday to Michael Bolton. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky Listen, there's a new report says travel levels at airports, including the uh, Indianapolis International Airport, finally back to pre-pandemic levels. But there is a pilot shortage. Um, and some of that's due to pilots aging out. I think they have to either retire at 65 or 67. And, and I wonder how much of that. I don't know. Were the pilots? Pilots forced to get vaccinated? And somewhere. Some, somewhere. Right. Depends on which airline company, I guess, you work yeah. for. Uh, but, yes, yeah, some were. And you're right. It's kind of a young retirement uh, for some of these pilots. And you know what's more still people high. are at the airport, though. But, but the rates. <laughs> I... The actual prices of an airline ticket, I don't even, I'd be embarrassed to say out loud how much I paid for round trip tickets to Scottsdale to go to the Waste Management Open a couple weeks ago. Oh, I get it. I, I, I'd be I'd be incredibly embarrassed. It's, go ahead. It's, no. No. I, I, you can't just bring it up and leave us hanging now. It was, it was four figures. Okay. <laughs> this is, again, a last-minute trip. I didn't know one I had... Per- just one person. Me, me. From Indianapolis to Arizona and back. Yes. Um, and you went southwest, right? Southwest. Again, I didn't... Uh, to a location that everybody was flying into for this golf uh, tournament, Waste Management Open. I had these tickets land in my lap. The tickets to the, you know, free food, free place to stay, free, right. free everything. You got to go. But, I, I, you know, it was easily a $10,000 trip. I paid $700 each way. $1,400 hundred <laughs> round trip from so, Indy to Arizona. So travel levels at airports. Pre-pandemic levels, they're they're back, but man, the prices are crazy. And I guess I somewhat expected it because you've done the same thing. You booked that trip to Vegas to go watch the Pacers in the the playoff game, right? Right, in, last in the, minute in, in season play, yeah. last minute. So, yeah. Um, and the thing is, they're nickel and diming you too. Like American Airlines, for example, they raised their check bag fee by five bucks, and now other airlines are doing the same thing. Here's some recent um, flight announcements, actually, that were caught on tape from the pilot. This is your captain speaking on behalf of American Airlines. Welcome to our flight. I know that you're unhappy that we raised baggage fees, so I thought I'd remind you that there are better reasons to hate us. Like the fact that our snacks have gone from seven pretzels in a bag down to four pretzels in a bag. The lavatory is already out of paper towels, and we haven't even left the gate. Our in-flight movies only star David Spade, 
And the only thing our flight attendants hate more than their job is responding to your call button. <laughs> but hey, we're still better than spirit. Flight attendants, prepare for departure. Wow. Passengers, prepare to bite me. <laughs> spirit taking some shrapnel there from the... Uh Recording of the pilot. Mm. Uh, speaking of costly things, AT&T still kind of reeling from that massive outage that they had last week. It affected a lot of people. Like, Indiana was in the top five of the states that were affected by this outage. Yeah, I, they're like giving everybody, all its customers, like a $5 credit on their bill. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Is that worth the price of your uh, you know, emotional roller coaster when you thought the Chinese was hacking us and the solar flares and the end of the world headlines? Here's five bucks. Some repeat offender broke into my house and I couldn't call 911, <laughs> but thank God I got five bucks back. Um, if AT&T cell phone outage bothered you last week, they've actually got something new that works a lot better really? and is more cost efficient. AT&T introduces their new landline telephones. The sound is clear as a bell. No cell service or internet connection needed. Just plug it in and go. You can turn the ringer down, but you can't turn it off. Rotary dial or push button. Comes in a variety of colors and styles, like desktop black or the princess model. It even lets your friends know you're already on the line with someone else. So convenient. <laughs> Order yours with an extra long cord so your teens can sit in a closet down the hall to talk privately with their friends. Right? Plus, it helps you get exercise when you walk to it every time it rings. And hard to believe, many residences are already wired. Millennials agree. Who needs faulty technology when you got the landline? Ooh. New, kind of, from AT&T. It's new, huh? Groundbreaking technology <laughs> from AT&T. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Also joining us, the gun guy, Guy Relford, host of the gun guy show Saturdays here on 93 WIBC, licensed firearms instructor to a attorney. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great. And thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest. And PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or PremierArms.com. Start at any number of places. I've been meaning to ask you this for a while, and I think we've touched on it uh, briefly before, but this notion, this idea of treating, quote-unquote, gun violence as a public health issue. I think they were kind of maybe toying around with that in Marion County. Oh, yeah. There's this IU student panel that exam is you know currently examining the merits of, of treating it like a public health issue. Where do you stand on this? What does that mean exactly? What are they well, trying to accomplish here? The, the cynic in me um, looks at it as, as a means to get around the fact that people who are advocating for gun control can't accomplish what they want to accomplish accomplishing Congress or in the state legislatures, particularly here in Indiana. And so they look at that and they say, okay, we're not going to get these things through the legislature. What about going to 
regulatory agencies and through regulatory agencies, you know, like we've talked about where the ATF has done things on a national level um, when 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 the Biden administration can't get things through Congress, they can go to, you know, local public health departments and say, hey, we have a public health emergency with uh, with so-called gun violence. And on that basis, get things done that they can't get done in the legislature. I mean, I, I truly believe that's the origin of it. Now, listen, when you look at the, the murder numbers, you know, like for instance, here in Marion County, um, which have been out of control during the entire Hogshead administration, and, you know, the number of people are, who are who are shot and, and, and stabbed, by the way, so we ought to be talking about knife violence in the same, in the same yeah. breath. But when you look at the number of people that have been shot and killed or shot and wounded uh, and people injured by violence in Marion County generally, it, is, is that affecting the health of people in Marion County? Well, of course it is. So I get where it's coming from. I just look at it very suspiciously because I really think at the end of the day, it's just an attempt to subvert the legislature um, or, or get around the legislature and accomplish gun control um, in, a, in, a, in, in a way that uh, doesn't involve uh, actually passing laws. And I would expect like IU students oh, to yeah. say something like that. Indiana's very liberal university when it comes to their faculty, their student body. Not all of them, but the majority of them, sure. I feel like. I'm wondering if they view defending yourself as part of this public health issue. Because here in Marion right. County, there have been a number of instances already this year where it's been justifiable homicide. Yeah, but those numbers go into the statistics that they always quote and say, oh, look at all the gun violence. And, and, and in fact, when uh, we, we've seen people talking, want, wanting to honor the victims of gun violence, for instance, uh, they've included people like the guy who tried to kill police officers um, and, and was justifiably uh, uh, shot by by my client. And, and you know, we've uh, gone to your Mercer. We've gone down this road and they included that. That guy, the bad guy who was trying to murder police officers, who was shot by police, was found fully justified by in, a, in a very thorough and very uh, independent investigation by the Indiana State Police. They included him in a list of, of, of victims of gun violence. Right. And so, yeah. The you're, people who have broken into somebody's house in the middle of the night that were shot dead, oh, they yeah. go into the same category here. The victims yeah, yeah. of gun violence. Yeah. Victim of gun violence. <laughs> um, so, look, you know, wow. is there a health issue? I think there certainly is. But I I would never um, agree that it's a wise move to try to circumvent the legislatures and uh, institute gun control uh, by regulatory agencies, particularly a legislative agency like a, a county health department that has no idea what it's doing in the area of firearms. Guy, I'm not a health inspector. I'm not somebody part of this IU student panel. But I believe your health would probably be a lot better if you didn't put yourselves in situations to be shot to death. Well, that's exactly Breaking right. the law. Because how many of these shootings that feel like are mugshot on mugshot violence or somebody breaking into somebody's home, breaking into somebody's car while they're asleep inside or something? 
these are serious things, but at the same time, you'd still be alive today if you weren't breaking the law. There's no question about that. And listen, we do see innocent people getting shot, and I, and I don't want to ever uh, discount that, uh, that, that it happens, because it certainly does. But the vast majority, I mean, that's where Abdul does such a great job every year when he, uh, he issues the statistics. He publishes the statistics that show that 80-plus percent of the people who are suspects in Marion County uh, homicides have a, a, a have a long history of violent criminal convictions. That's who we're talking about here. Let's talk about catching those guys. Let's talk about putting them in jail. And then, most importantly, let's talk about keeping them in jail. That's where you're going to reduce this epidemic of so-called gun violence. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Chatting with Guy Relford, host of the Gun Guy Show here at 93 WIBC, 2A Attorney. So there's a story in the Associated Press today, and the headline reads, Chief Enforcer of U.S. Gun Laws yeah. Fears Americans May Become Numb to Violence with Each Mass Shooting Guy. Where are we at with this? You know, I, I read that, uh, Jason, and I, I read the article. And, and what immediately jumped out at me is that what the ATF is, first of all, the ATF, there's no question. I see it. I see it in my law practice. I see it much more than I would like to. They've been weaponized against the American people. And uh, they're trying to, to get done what the Biden administration can't get done in Congress, which is uh, restricting the rights of law-abiding citizens. Now, do they play some legitimate role on enforcing uh, our gun laws against bad people? I'm sure they do. But I see it on the other side. And so when I read that, uh, not only that headline, but that article, I looked at that as saying, you know what this guy's really saying? He's saying that we've, we've repeatedly now had mass shootings that just don't support the narrative. We've had mass shootings. You know, when a, when a, when a trans woman, tra uh, trans man, I don't know what the nomenclature is. I always screw that up. But, you know, uh, uh, breaks into a, a Christian school in Nashville and murders a bunch of people, and nobody will relief, release their manifesto because it certainly appears like this was just a vendetta against people who hold Christian beliefs, that doesn't really support the narrative, you know? And, right. And, no. and, 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 you know, when, when we have uh, minorities uh, in, in Kansas City um, shoot up a, 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 the, um, the celebration after the Super Bowl win by, by the Chiefs, and, again, it's, 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 it's people, juveniles uh, who, who illegally had a gun. One of them stole their gun. Stole their gun. Right. And on that basis, you know, th these same people come out and advocate for an assault weapon ban. What? Excuse me? What law would have been in place that would have prevented that guy stealing a gun and being a knucklehead with That's it? That's right. He stole a handgun and using a stolen handgun gets into a shootout with another D juvenile delinquent, and they they in a, they wound a bunch of innocent people, and on that basis they want to institute gun control. So when he he says, you know, I fear we're becoming numb to these. No, no, I fear. What your agenda really is is to use these mass shootings to pr promote your gun control agenda, and when the when the facts of the particular shooting doesn't match your agenda, right? Then you suddenly go, "Wow, these aren't working out to our advantage quite like we want them to," and isn't that a shame? And I think that's horrible. I think that's despicable, and uh, and I think that's exactly what this guy's really feeling in his heart, although he'd never admit it in public. And the American public isn't 
stupid. Right. Some of them are, but for the yeah. most part, yeah. <laughs> Nigel's a little iffy on it. What is it, 84 million people? <laughs> yeah, right. They see the media coverage, right? When the shooter went into the bowling alley in the northeast part of the United States, that happened to be somebody that had Donald Trump stuff on his social media feed. We knew everything about that guy right. that night. But like you said, when it's the Nashville shooter, when it's any number of these trans shooters, and there's a lot of them, all of that stuff is kept on the lowdown. It's oh, yeah. locked up. When the Bernie bro shot up the congressional baseball game, yeah. you know, and, and, and wounded uh, leadership members, uh, uh, Senator Scalise, uh, how much did you hear about that guy? How right. much did you hear about that? He was a Bernie. He had Bernie propaganda posted he, he all over his social media. Right. And who who hears about that guy? So it's, it's whether the shooting matches up to their agenda or not. When it doesn't, they're lamenting the fact of, oh, we're becoming numb. No, no, no. You just can't manipulate every one of these into um, supporting the pre-existing agenda that you already had. Uh, all right. Let's talk about what's happening inside the Indiana State House. You've been a part of some big hearings, um, some debate going back and forth here. Where are we at on a couple of different things? Well, we've had a good week this last week in the Indiana General Assembly. We had two bills that have already passed the House. So now the challenge is getting, th- getting them through the Senate. And I got to tell you, in pro 2A bills are, are always a little tougher to get through the Senate than, than they are in the House. And this is uh, House Bill 1084 um, that would would p- prohibit the use of these credit card codes specific to purchases at gun stores. And I absolutely believe um, that these were created, and they just were created in September of, of 2022 um, and by the International Organization for Standardization, uh, which, um, which, which creates these codes for credit card transactions. I think it's a means um, of, of the financial industry to discriminate against gun stores. Okay, really so talk do. to me in layman's terms here. Let's just say I bought another weapon, which may or may not have happened a couple of weeks ago. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> may or may not have happened. Under that? Like, would I be flagged by some companies or what? Yes. And and because what it is, is is when you use your credit or, or debit card, uh, there's, a, there's a code that's created that shows what kind of transaction that is, what kind of a, um, a retailer you're using that at. So it can show up as food, it can show up as, uh, uh, right now, sporting goods or general retail. Um, so, for instance, I mean, I, I can look, I can go in and look at a report that says, you know, Mrs. Relford spent 65% of, of her expenditures last month in clothing stores, right? And I can go, uh, look, honey. Totally believable. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and that's just an example. Well, they created this new code, though, specific for gun stores. Right now, when you go in and use your credit or debit card at a gun store, it shows up as either general retail or sporting goods. And, but they want to create a new one for gun stores. And, 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 and the Knowing the is, ATF, they probably want to put bloodthirsty murderer on it. Yeah. Oh, right, and this was urged. By the way, the creation of this new code was 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 urged on this organization um, by gun control proponents. I mean, we're talking about the Brady campaign and Moms Demand Action, and 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 these folks, and some and some very anti-gun uh, folks in Congress, and and they did that. And there's been a long-standing, and you and you guys and I have talked about this before. There's been a long-standing history um, right here in Indiana and across the country of discrimination uh, against the gun industry by financial institutions, banks, credit card companies, credit card processors. I've had credit card processors who won't do business with me because I, I teach. Finance 
firearms classes. And I've had fellow Safety classes. Yes, who have <laughs> so had banks closed, closed their account and say, we don't want to do business with you because they're firearms instructors. And I, I had a gun shop roundtable where I had five different owners of gun shops on my show. I said, how many of you guys have had a bank or a credit card company refuse to do business with you? Every single one of them, their hands shot up. And really? some of them that said multiple times. So this isn't some sort of conspiracy theory, or oh, no. maybe it's happened to one, maybe two people. This is a thing. This is pervasive. And it's part of what I think what is was a campaign announced uh, and pushed by the Obama administration in 2013 called Operation Choke Point. And what this was, was putting pressure, the government putting pressure on financial institutions to discriminate against the gun industry. Again, trying to put the gun industry out of business, in my mind, and, and, and accomplish what they can't accomplish in Congress. So that I think this has been furtherance of that whole um, program. And so... Uh, Senate or House Bill 1084 passed the House. We got it passed out of, of, of committee in the Senate this week that said you can't use those codes in Indiana, um, and if you do, you can be penalized for that, and there are there are specific penalties. In addition, importantly, uh, House Bill 1235 also passed out of committee, and this is very contentious. Man, we had the Philadelphia lawyers show up for this one. This has to do with the City of Gary lawsuit. That uh, that basically blames the entire gun industry for Gary's. There, here you go. Gun violence problems, right? Going back to that term. Gun violence problem. Gun, yeah, gun violence problem. It's like we don't have a problem with gangs in Gary. Right. Uh, we we have a problem with uh, the gun industry, and this uh, this bill would put an end to that lawsuit, and that's a good thing. And we we got it passed out of committee, although it was a long hearing and a big fight, but we got it done. And on behalf of our audience, again, I've told you this before. Thank you for paying attention to this. Thank you for fighting for the people who want to just defend their families that have not done anything wrong. It's a simple thing, but not a lot of people feel comfortable doing it, and you do it. So thank you. Well. Thank you, man. I testified in favor of both those bills, and uh, it was great to see him pass out of committee. Where can we find you at? Uh, at Guy Relford on Twitter. Guy, you're the best. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I want to talk about... The way CNN has covered this murder in Athens, Georgia. Oh, just awful. Oh, I hate this story. So the way CNN has covered this, they're making it sound like this killer is from Athens, Georgia. Well, that's not the case at all. (laughs) They're making it sound like a lot of things. This was an illegal alien that had already been arrested. Yeah, he's got a rap sheet. In the United States, released in New York. He had been arrested, released, and then went down to Georgia where he murdered this young lady who went out on the jogging trail. She was a college student, right? She was, I believe, nursing and going out for a jog. And boom, because of Biden's open border policies, because it's very hard to be deported in this country under the tutelage of Joe Biden. Right. This this girl is dead, and it's a tragedy. And the, I, man, she'd still be alive today had it not been for Joe Biden's policy at the border. There's plenty of stories like this, unfortunately, across the country. And the Associated Press isn't much better. They have a story, and I got a screenshot here. I'll have to share this later on. They're making it sound like 
The problem was that she went out for a run. And this is the problem that female athletes face when they go out alone. It has nothing to do with the fact she was a female athlete. It had everything to do with the fact that this was somebody that should not have been in this country to begin with and then was arrested in New York. But because of their justice system, which is, in essence, like Marion County's, they let him right back out on the streets, went down to Georgia, and this young lady lost her life. It's disgusting. This story absolutely, positively makes me sick. AOC... In New York, the same place where, you know, this guy was let out the first time around, she was doing some sort of town hall in her district. Ooh, this did not go well. I I like it. I mean, I, I, this, okay, why didn't it go well? Well, these are her constituents. And she's up there talking about God knows what, and there are people in the crowd that are yelling and blaming her for the current situation that's happening at the border. That's a pretty fired up crowd Whoa. right there. She's just sitting there taking it. Right. Now, that wasn't somewhere in southern Indiana. That wasn't somewhere in the middle of Nebraska. That was in her district in very liberal New York. Now, we've talked about this before. This is the thing that is frustrating. Those people, they will go to that town hall. They will point at AOC. They will yell at AOC. And then when November rolls back around, they will vote for AOC. Bingo. You can never get change if you keep voting the same way. Same thing for these people that flee places like New York or California, whether it's the taxes, whether it's the crime, whatever. And they go to places like Texas or Florida or Nashville. Tennessee is kind of a hotbed for people to be moving to now. And then you vote for the same crap. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Why would you vote for the same crap that you fled I don't get it. I just don't get it. But that is a sign of encouragement that those people in New York, her constituents, her district, wanted no part of her. And the leaders all blame are, are all blaming the wrong people. It, it, from uh, Pritzker in Illinois to uh, Mayor uh, uh, Mayor Adams in uh, New York in, in Manhattan to like they all blame. They're not blaming Joe Biden. They're blaming (laughs) governor of Texas. They're blaming Abbott for the problems at the border. No, these it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with Abbott. Right. He fought back. He's not the boogeyman here. He's not the villain. He wants you to get a little taste of what he deals with 10 times fold. The amount of people coming across Abbott's border is nowhere near, uh, you know, like the people in New York thing, this is the same thing that we're dealing with. No, it's not. 
If you're in New York, if you're in Chicago, if you're in Denver, you're seeing an influx, but it's nothing close to what Abbott was dealing with in Texas. Nothing. I mean, those, especially the small little border towns, overwhelmed. The system was never meant to handle uh, the amount uh, what you're seeing. Now, it has scaled back because uh, Abbott, to his credit, down, you know, uh, down there, the, the governor of Texas is, is, is like said, screw you, Biden. I'm putting up a, a, a giant... Uh, barbed wire fence across you know places like the Rio Grande, right? And it has tamped down a little bit, I believe. And if you noticed, the Biden administration they stopped being Billy Badass at that point because they said, "Don't you put that wire back up, or we're going to come down and you're going to have a problem. Get ready, Bal, you're going to be in for a problem." We're going to send the National Guard, the federal, whatever, blah blah blah. It didn't happen. No, and. As a result, the numbers of illegal crossers in Texas have dropped quite a bit. It's amazing how you put some sort of barrier up, the numbers go down. I'm still, I think the State of the Union address from Joe Biden, first of all, it's really late in the year to be having a State of the Union address. They usually do it in late January or February. It's next Thursday, March 7th, I believe. And I'm wondering between now and then if we're going to see any sort of executive action in terms of the border. Biden's been talking tough now all of a sudden about the border. It used to be, ah, there's nothing I can do about it. We got to get these uh, uh, these bills through. That we, you know, we had some stuff for the border, but you didn't want to pay for Ukraine, so it was it was scuttled. And now, now he's so disingenuous. He's such a liar. Joe Biden on the border because he is talking about signing executive actions now, making it harder for people to claim asylum when there is no uh, when there is no asylum claim. Now um, wait a minute! Didn't just a couple weeks ago he said there was nothing he could do? Oh yeah, told me it was it was a chopper presser. I've done all I can do. But now that we've got the State of the Union coming up right around the corner, there's something he can do. <laughs> Interesting. So what we're going to do is have a bingo card ready for you for the State of the Union address oh, next yes. week. Nigel and I are working on it right now. It's being brewed in the lab. It's back in the office. we got a few more squares to fill in. We'll have that for you. And also, next Monday begins... A new bracket contest, March Meltdown Madness. Really? I'm excited for this. So, starting next Monday, we've taken a bracketed field of some of our favorite celebrity, political, coach, athlete meltdowns of all time. That have been caught on tape. Caught on right? tape, right. And they will compete against each other in a seated tournament until one Meltdown remains. So that oh, is coming wait. up next Monday. We start March Meltdown Madness. All right, we'll try to reconnect with Marcus here in just a little bit, but right now. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Inner. How do we play? Is this anything? Alright, we'll run a few different stories by you. You will be the one that breaks down all of the information and gives us a verdict. Is the story in question anything or not? We start with this. Some older video of Travis Kelsey back in 2016 has resurfaced. He's a tight end for the Chiefs, just won the Super Bowl. He's dating Taylor Swift. An An interviewer wanted him to play the Kiss 
Mary Kill game, right? That's the that's the polite version. I'm trying to keep it radio clean. <laughs> F Mary Kill, I believe right. is how you play it. Uh, and Taylor Swift was one of the choices. Now oh. again, this is back in 2016, long before he was in the relationship. Uh oh. This is what he said reluctantly back then. Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, kill Mary Kiss. Damn, that's <laughs> messed up. I don't want to kill any of them. <laughs> well, you uh, know, um, it's just a game. Uh, just a game. Uh, it's gonna be harder kill. to find real love. So you gotta true, play yeah. this game. Right. So what is it? Kill Ariana is okay. kill. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> love you, but you're gone. And then uh, Taylor Swift would be the kiss. Katy Perry Mary. would be the yeah. Wow. Now I don't think this is anything. I always thought that was kind of a lame game to play. Anyway. If you're going to do it, you have to make it like creative, like with the Golden Girls. All right. Blanche, Rose, and Dorothy. Blank, Mary, kill. <laughs> Excuse me. I would say no, although Taylor Swift, that might irk Taylor just a little bit if she heard that. Well, maybe Taylor doesn't want to marry him either. Maybe this is just her flavor of the month I and she's just, happy with by the, the way, kiss. I was just reading some trash website that said she recently paid $500,000 to upgrade her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey's wardrobe. Oh. <laughs> the Kelsey men, apparently not uh, big dressers. Well, did you see what he was wearing? I, I believe it was in the Super Bowl. Like as he was walking to the game, like getting off the bus. Remember that that black? Yeah, he looked like a Batman villain. Yeah, exactly. Like the tax man or something. And he was like all black, <laughs> and it was like sequins, and I, I, I'm not sure. I, but yeah, the rumor is that he, and then he spent a crap load on her for Valentine's Day. Well, yeah, if you're Travis Kelsey, you cling to her like grim, grim death. You do everything in your power because she makes more money than you do. And she makes a lot. And he makes a lot. And she makes even more. Is this anything? The latest viral TikTok prank is young people calling their dad and telling them they got hired as an offshore oil rig worker. <laughs> Here's a young woman what? calling her dad. You're at Exxon Mobil? Yes. It's like an oil company? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw like a job hosting and I applied. It's an apprenticeship yeah. opportunity in an offshore oil rig and it pays so much money. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, you're in the middle of the ocean. The wind is blowing. It's probably one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. But they offered me and they said you'd get trained. Because you may die. Why did they offer me that? Do they think I can do it? Yeah, it's insanity. <laughs> and he knows. I could just tell by the dad's demeanor and tone that he knows it's all BS because his daughter would never even in a million years be close <laughs> to qualifying to get a job on an offshore oil rig. Right. Well, honey, you work as a part-time administrative assistant. I don't think any oil rig is going to hire you. You work nice at tr- Wendy's. <laughs> Go make a frosty and give up your dreams of being a Ewing. It's is, over. Is it really the working on an oil rig one of the most dangerous jobs in the world? I would say police officer at this point. That's in a my good life point. That's United a really, anyway. really good point. Is this anything? Comedian, podcaster, and formerly fired Saturday Night Live writer Shane Gillis. Oh yeah, hosted SNL over the weekend, and depending on which media outlet you prefer. 
Some say that he bombed. During his monologue. His man. monologue, of he course. Didn't. And others say that he hit a home run. Like the band, like if you watch the video, the band members in the back were disgusted with really? his monologue. But he got a lot of big laughs on his I, monologue. Yeah, I, I watched the entire thing. I didn't notice the band, though. That's interesting. There's one woman in the back that looks like she just found out somebody in her family had passed away. <laughs> Here's a little bit of a Shane Gillis. I probably shouldn't be up here, honestly. <laughs> I should be home. I should be a high school football coach. That's what I should be. Like, God molded me perfectly to be a high school football coach slash ninth grade sex education teacher. I actually, I come from a long line of coaches in my family. My, my father is actually a volunteer assistant girls high school basketball coach. He's actually here right now. Can you get him on there? Yeah. There's my dad, the volunteer assistant girls high school basketball coach. I thought it was funny. All right. You don't think that's funny to bring my dad here to make fun of him for being a girls high school basketball coach? All right. <laughs> I thought it was great. Never mind. Thought that was going to be a big hit here. Uh, Actually, that was at least offensive part of his seven-minute monologue on oh, yeah. Night Live. Remember when he was talking about being best friends with his mom and the moment he decided yes. not to be become best friends with his mom? Correct. <laughs> Dude, I yes, this is something I'm just now discovering. I'm Shane Gillis. You know, welcome to 2022. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I watched his stand-up special over the weekend that's on Netflix, uh, Beautiful Dogs. Which is that story? He does a flawless Trump impression. It's pretty good, by the way. Have he did a Trump skit on SNL where he was wearing the, the shoes. shoes. Yeah, yeah, dude. Shane Gillis is frigging hilarious. I don't watch many stand-up specials just because I don't know many. I don't know who these people are, and I, I, it takes me a while to get into them. But I, everybody was telling you, you got to watch the Shane Gillis special. You got to watch Shane. It is so effing funny <laughs> i mean la laughing out i was crying in some parts that dude is hilarious now if and you're so, easily offended is this the guy for you this is not the guy for you because <laughs> it's highly inappropriate some of the stuff that he was saying and the crowd was eating it up i think stand-up comedy is back i think the shows that saturday night live made him is, like he was originally going to be a cast member on saturday night live or a writer or something and then they heard an old podcast where he made like some sort of asian joke or right. some sort of stereotypical joke about it i think that's why they they had hired him and then oh we can't you know so i i, I like that snl let him on and um it, it kind of it kind of just shows me that cancel culture, hopefully, that period in our uh, a culture is, is slowly fading. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. That's Hammer over there with a special guest on the hotline. Rick Snyder is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86. Um, we were talking about the shortage of IMPD officers here. And yeah. why is it that IMPD is so short? Over 300 officers short, but some of these donut counties, and I referenced Beach Grove earlier, they're fully staffed. And you've got other surrounding departments. They might not be fully staffed, but they're doing a heck of a lot better than IMPD. Why is that? 
Well, a big thing is those agencies are competing now. You know, it used to be that IMPD was the big dog on the block. Uh, we had the highest paid officers um, and some of the best opportunities in the profession. And many of these other surrounding agencies have started to compete. They've raised their starting salaries, but also their ongoing salaries. And they've also focused on things to retain their officers, such as excellent equipment. And the biggest thing is strong support from their community. Listen, guys, nationwide officers, over half of our active officers are saying that they fear uh, being fired from their jobs for simply doing their job. And uh, six out of every 10 officers have serious concerns about being criminally prosecuted or civilly sued for doing their job. I think a big thing that we hear from officers when they leave our agency to go to another county, another department, uh, one of the salient points that's consistent in all of those is they don't have this prosecutor. And, um, you know, officers are big on accountability when uh, somebody has made a mistake of the heart and they've intentionally done wrong. Uh, but these are officers that are fearful for uh, being criminally prosecuted and or persecuted uh, for actually doing their job and doing it correctly. So those are some of the big differences that we see. Is there any sort of recruiting push that can be done to salvage what's happening with IMPD right now because 300 plus officers short sounds like a big number and I don't know how many billboards or commercials can fix that. Well, it's really not about recruitment at this stage, and this is what we've been making clear to the mayor and to the new chief of police. We have got to pivot and place a strong emphasis on the retention of the officers that we have. Listen, we're 350 officers short. We're getting ready to go dip below 1,500 officers on the IMPD. Our new chief of police, uh, Chris Bailey, he has made clear that their estimates show that we will dip below 1,500 by next month in March, and that when that occurs, it will automatically trigger reduction in services that have to occur to the, for the citizens just so that we can simply maintain the proper staffing for emergency calls and responsiveness. Uh, this is something that we're seeing across the nation in terms of officer shortages. But let's face it, it's after four years of this designated war on cops that we've seen across our nation, especially in major cities. And Indianapolis is no different. The, the, the challenge here, though, is we have a significant reduction that we have seen because of the officers leaving to go to other agencies, and we cannot outpace our attrition. We're losing more officers than we can hire. So now the, the we have a mayor that's been reelected. We have a new chief of police. They have the opportunity to make a pivot here and to strongly take decisive steps to uh, incentivize officers to stay here. They're going to have to compete with these other agencies. They're undoubtedly going to have to significantly raise pay, but we're, they're also going to have to take uh, a focus on those intangibles, such as good, strong equipment and good, strong support for doing their job. So, Rick, make your pitch right now. If there's somebody listening that, say, is wanting to get into law enforcement and they have several different places they can apply, why should they apply for IMPD? Well, IMPD does offer the most uh, opportunities for advancement and also specialization in law enforcement. We also have some huge feathers in our cap, such as we're the leading agency that focuses on officer wellness. We are cutting edge on that and have set the example for the rest of the nation. We're also a leading edge on things like the IMPD Leadership Academy, where we're known throughout the country for a strong emphasis on leadership development and career opportunities, career development. But the challenge becomes when you remain such 
uh, short-staffed on your agency, it limits the number of opportunities to move so that if we can retain the officers that we have with a strong new contract, competitive pay, competitive equipment, and incentives, we will then start to retain our, or recruit new officers. That's what we've said to the mayor, is focus on retainment first and recruitment will follow. And we're confident that'll be the case. Rick, how long have you been in law enforcement and why did you decide? Do you remember the moment you decided to be a law enforcement? Uh, being on? Yeah, uh, 28 years. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, I, like many officers, when you ask officers why they do what they do, many of them will usually shrug their shoulders, raise their hands, and tell you they can't really explain it. They'll just tell you that they were they felt called to this profession. Mm. What I've been saying to officers around this nation, especially as our chaplain for the National Fraternal Order of Police, is it's imperative that we take a moment, push pause, and reflect upon who it is that does the calling. And when you see that uh, you were called by your creator to stand this line, he's the one that said, blessed are the peacemakers. It really stills you in his truth to be able to withstand these storms. And that's what we're seeing across the nation is officers turning back to faith and also turning back to a focus on why it is they do what they do. And just as importantly, who it is they're doing that for. Rick Snyder is our guest. He is the FOP president, Lodge 86. Rick, I want to get your thoughts on a couple high-profile trials that involved police officers. Uh, We were on the air Friday when the decision came in for Elias Dorsey. This was the guy that was accused and ultimately convicted of killing IMPD officer Brianne Leith. I saw the statement from the new IMPD chief, Chris Bailey, seemed like he wasn't real happy that a murder charge was not put on Elias Dorsey. He did um, get convicted of a number of different things, but was found mentally ill. Murder was basically brought down to a lesser charge. Reckless homicide. Yeah, reckless homicide, I believe. And I want to get your thoughts. Well, obviously, we're disappointed as well. We all knew that that was a possibility. Uh, Any jury has the opportunity to find guilty on lesser and included offenses. Uh, We knew that there were going to be some challenges, especially when the decision was made to remove the death penalty off the table and even entertain this discussion about a possible insanity defense. Remember, that was raised by the defense. So anytime that occurs... You really have to change gears and then place a strong focus on a straight up or down guilty uh, decision or at a minimum guilty but mentally ill. And that's what occurred. Now, a lot of people get confused by that. They think, well, that means that there won't be any accountability. That's not correct. Uh, He'll face the same opportunity for prison uh, as anyone else found guilty for these crimes. The difference is, is that he was found mentally ill, but still responsible. And so now our shift in focus goes toward the sentencing and uh, what Judge Mark Stoner is going to do on that front. That will be our focus. We're expecting uh, the judge to ensure full accountability uh, for the crimes that have been committed and that he has been convicted of. And, uh, you know, we continue to stand by the Lee family. They've been a testament to faith. They've uh, started and ended every day of those eight days of trial with prayer, faith in God, and uh, also faith that justice will be done. So we're going to stand upon that with them and uh, look forward to seeing what that outcome is going to be. And also recently wrapping up was the trial of the guy that was accused of shooting Officer Tommy Mangan in the throat. Now, what was wild about this, and I believe I texted you that, that night that it took place, Rick, The shooter represented himself in court. So we had this amazing moment in the courtroom, something out of a movie, where Officer Mangan, who 
still has a hard time speaking, is up there on the stand, and he's being cross-examined by the guy that shot him. And he has to look at this guy in the face. I can't imagine what was going through his mind at that point, Rick. I thought that was just an amazing moment. Well, I had the privilege to be able to be there and witness it myself in person. Uh, It's a testament to courage. You want to know what courage looks like, take a good look at that. You know, here's the deal with Officer Mangan. You you know, sometimes we lose sight of this, but he was only four weeks out of the academy when he was shot. He was in his first rotation of training with his field training officer, Officer Dan Majors, uh, when this uh, tragic incident occurred. Uh, Tommy was shot in the throat. The worst, the most that he fell was to one knee and jumped back up. Uh, He fought through it. He fought through and fought for his recovery and survival. And then he he sat on this witness stand. Keep this in mind, guys. This was the first criminal case Officer Mangan had ever sat on as a police officer. And it was the one in which he was shot. And so uh, he did that with courage. He did it with boldness, but he also showed the honorable nature of our profession, that we have women and men like him around us all the time. Uh, the greatest, most poignant moment I saw was when the jury came back and uh, we were waiting for them to announce their decision, was Officer Tommy Mangan with his bride on one side holding her hand and his field training officer, Dan Majors, on the other side holding his hand. Uh, FTO Dan Majors has been a remarkable example of what our officers do, especially our FTOs, and he has stood by his training off his trainee officer every step of the way, and it's just a testament to courage and uh, what these women and men are made of that uh, we get the privilege to walk amongst and who serve our city. That's why I get so frustrated when people paint with such a broad brush and condemn all of our officers uh, when they're trying to speak to one single incident. Uh, it's beyond not fair. It's also not logical. And it also is a disservice to the heroes that uh, serve our community. So we continue to stand for them. Uh, We had a third trial uh, last week as well that was uh, a guilty charge on uh, another criminal suspect on an attempt murder of two other police officers. So if you think about that in the span of one week, we had three trials going on, all of which were either attempting to shoot an officer, shooting an officer, and also, unfortunately, killing an officer. And uh, we stood the line for all of that. So without a doubt, there is a war on cops. We're having an officer shot every 23 hours in this nation. Uh, but our, our women and men in law enforcement continue to suit up and show up every day. And that is why uh, we owe them uh, the support that they need and also the incentives to keep doing this job. Well, Rick, I'm sure those families appreciate you and your officers and your team uh, attending these trials and giving support to the families. That kind of stuff goes a long way. And on behalf of our audience, as always, tell your officers, be safe, and we've got their back. It's what the FOP is about, guys. Thank you, and God bless. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer, uh, I want to play this clip for you real quick. This is uh, we got a feud going on here. MSNBC's uh, Kristen Welker, we all know her. She's got a good dressing gown from Vivek during uh, one of those <laughs> debates. This is Kristen Welker versus Florida Congressman Byron Donalds. Uh, this was They were uh, arguing about the Espionage Act, Joe Biden and the classified documents, and if Joe Biden broke the law. Listen to this exchange. Again, there's no evidence that the indictments against him are politicized, but sticking to this question, were you offended at all by his comments, Congressman? No, I wasn't, because I understood what the president was talking about, and like I've, I've said now for the third time, 
he talked about all the reasons why minority voters want to support him. And Kristen, let me push back a little bit. You have to acknowledge the fact that now that the Robert Hur report has come out about Joe Biden's misuse of classified information, which is a violation of the Espionage Act, he had no rights to any of those documents when he was a senator uh, or vice president. Yet there are no charges against against vice yeah, against President but, but Biden. But President Trump is under prosecution. I have to, come on, hold now. on I have we know to, that doesn't have, make any I have sense to hit at all. The pause button for one minute, Congressman, oh because the her report was very clear sure. that there was not enough evidence to bring charges against President Biden, and that ultimately there Kristen, was not enough. That is what the her report said, Congressman. That is exactly what the her report said. Yes, it is. The Espionage Act is clear. There wasn't enough evidence to bring You cannot possess those those documents as a senator or a vice president. You have no right to those documents as a senator or a vice president. Uh, they must remain in a secure facility. Joe Biden took them from a skiff. That's a violation of the Espionage right. Act, period. Okay. All right. Bottom line, though, her himself said there wasn't enough evidence to bring charges. Let's move on to this next topic. He also said Joe Biden wasn't competent to stand trial. Right. <laughs> If he wasn't a vegetable, maybe they would have. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock well, Hammer, as predicted, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, Republican National Committee Chair, she finally announced that she's stepping down following a, a lot of crud, uh, criticism, so, mounting criticism. So she's a, gone. She's gone? She's gone? Is that what you're telling me? Oh, she's not stepping down until next month. Oh, come on! <laughs> every time we have this story, it feels like every time I hear about Ronna McDaniel, <laughs> there's some sort of extension. Ronna McDaniel's going to be leaving. Well, it's going to be after I the South Carolina primary. I think it's next a week from Friday. It's I after think, the South yeah. Carolina primary. Well, it's not going to be until next week. Go home. Leave. Take all those L's with you and go home. Nobody wants you around anymore. I feel like I have to give her the Kid Rock speech that he gave to Joe Dirt. I, you know, I don't expect the RNC to save the Republican Party, but you're right. There, there are a lot of L's during her leadership. I mean, where's the money? Oh, the the fundraising? Are you yes. kidding me? I think there's a million dollars in debt. I think this is the lowest they've had in the coffers for years. If you can't uh, fundraise like off eight of million or something. this yeah. president, Nige, if you can't yeah. raise money off what's happening now, what the hell are you doing? You're grossly unqualified. Now, listen, has everything she's done been awful? No. She helped Donald Trump in 2006. She helped deliver Michigan. And for that, hat tip. 2016. 16. Yeah. Hat tip. Yep. But since then, it's been underperformance after underperformance. Even in elections where they won the House, we were promised a red wave. And now winning the House is down to like one or two seats. That doesn't sound like a red wave to me. And again, where's the money? That's the biggest problem I have with Ronna McDaniel. Where is the money? Where's the beef? That's another question. <laughs> so the co-chair, Drew McKissick, is stepping down as well. And uh, it's going to be Trump wanted the uh, North Carolina guy, the Republican Party chairman in North Carolina, Michael Watley. 
as the new chair. I don't know much about this guy. I know he's a Trump guy. Yeah, he's a loyal a Trump, Trump guy. guy and uh, stuck through him with the, you know, the stop the steal stuff. Bingo. Yeah. Now and he's pushing Laura Trump, his daughter-in-law, to be the replacement the for- The co-chair. Yeah, the co-chair. So we'll see what happens there. The RNC rules do require that an election for a new leader take place. Trump's obviously pushing for his North Carolina ally and Laura Trump. We'll see what happens because if I've learned anything but the Republicans, there's going to be a fight, there's going to be a drama, and at some point somebody's going to make a big <laughs> embarrassing mistake. That's where we're at right now. Uh, Allison, cue up the band here. Let's do a round of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? For those who may be new to this game, here to explain the rules is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? All right, Nige, we've got an unhinged professor of Pan-African Studies at Cal State University, L.A., Pan-African Studies? Yes. Cal State University, L.A., proclaiming that the Kansas City Chiefs' Super Bowl win was an example of white supremacy and that being a Taylor Swift fan is also slightly racist. (laughs) Pan-African Studies, by the way. I had to look it up. It's the study of cultures and societies of Africa and persons of African ancestry, both past and present. So this professor at Cal State said the Chiefs' Super Bowl win is white supremacy. What color is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes? Well, his old man is a black guy, but I believe his mom is a white lady. Okay. Oh, boy. So there could still be some white supremacy there. (laughs) Very well Uh could be. Mahomes' wife is white. I don't know. Uh, Oh, no. The professor, Melina Abdullah, who, if you look up her real name, is Melina Ryman, (laughs) has gone viral with this take. And it's now in the New York Post. Now, she's been tweeting about this. And in other comments, Abdullah portrayed all police officers as slave catchers and told black Americans that, quote, you literally have a target on your back placed there by racist, murderous cops. Mm. This is someone teaching the youth of America, Nige. Is she racist? Yeah, 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 that's, that's, I I don't, well, she's, she's not making any sense. What possibly could be racist about the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl? Like, she doesn't explain herself. Like, what does that mean, them winning the Super Bowl? I mean, there's plenty of, I mean, it's, the NFL is an African-American dominated, when you look at the dem- demographics, it's an African-American-dominated league. In terms right. Of, um, ter- and they're paid I, really, I, really, I, really, I, really well to play in the what NFL. in the world? I, I can't believe this person, yeah, again, teaching the youth of America. So imagine spending fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year on tuition at Cal State uh, University, L.A., and your Pan-African Studies teacher is old Abdullah here, and she's <laughs> teaching you about Swifties and Patrick Mahomes. Feel like you're getting your money's worth? Feel like you're getting the preparation and the training you need to get out there in the world and find some sort of job with your Pan-African Studies degree? Uh, let's see. I'm just I'm looking at some of these other tweets. Uh, 
from Abdullah, which is, again, not a real name. Not Abdullah the Butcher, former wrestling legend either. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good reference. Here's the thing. When fake-ass journalists from, white re- from right-wing outlets turn tweets into news, they spur actual violent responses from their idiotic white delusionist followers. Hashtag Taylor Swift has some racist fans. Hashtag doubling down. So basically, according to Abdullah here, our producer Allison might as well have a clan hood <laughs> in her car trunk right now. Uh, here's another one. Why do I feel like it's slightly racist to be a Taylor Swift fan? And then somebody responded, explain why you think that. I'm honestly interested. She said, I said feel, not think. Kind of like that feeling I get when there are too many American flags. <laughs> this woman is crazy. She's bat... Uh, I almost said it. Bat You've crap. saved yourself twice today, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> You're showing growth. <laughs> to answer the question, yes, yes she is racist. We got a bonus round of Is It Racist? Oh, boy. So, Friday night, speaking to a crowd in South Carolina of predominantly African-American voters, Donald Trump... This is before the primary, the night before the primary. He was there. Byron Donalds was there. Tim Scott was there. And this is what Donald Trump had to say about why he's seeing such an uptick in support in the polling from African-American voters. I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. (laughs) And a lot of people said that that's why the black people like me, because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. So that was Donald Trump Friday. Right. Byron Donalds, Florida congressman. So wait a minute. The the essential, the essence of that uh, statement was like, black people like me because they identify with me. Correct. Here's Byron Donalds of Florida. This is political persecution from the Department of Justice and from radical DAs throughout our country. This is something similar that black people had to deal with the, with the justice system themselves. And so their, their look of it is real simple. Well, dang, if the government's going after him with foolishness, uh, he can't be that bad, especially considering the fact that Joe Biden is terrible at his job. So you've heard the clip. You've heard Byron Donalds, Nige. Is it racist? Uh, no, I don't think that's the point Donald Trump was trying to make. I think everybody uh, is looking at this from both uh, whatever race you're looking at. The 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 political opponent of the current president of the United States is is actively being persecuted and targeted and trying to silence him, trying to throw him in jail by uh, Joe Biden and the Department of Justice. There were some folks that found it to be racist. This is a tweet from rapper Luke Campbell, former Two Life Crew front man. Quote, after that Trump speech, if you're black and you're voting for him, you have to be out of your effing mind. Uh-oh. If that don't motivate you to go get your ass out to vote, nothing will. Now, that tweet was also quote tweeted by Jalen Rose, who said what OG said. Referring to Luther Campbell. Jalen Rose, formerly of the uh, Indiana Pacers. Correct. One of the dumbest people I've ever spoken with, by the way. And we'll play some audio to back that up here in just a moment. But those comments that I saw on those tweets, Nige, started to backfire on Luke Campbell and Jalen Rose. Really? Um, A lot of black folks 
clapping back at them. Here's just a couple of them. Quote, didn't Joe tell you that you're not black unless you vote for him? And here you went. Here's another one. Lame. Nobody should listen to these entertainers. Vote for who you want. But if you want less taxes and keep more of your money, more jobs, freedom, less crime, and to stop wasting money on migrants and wars, vote Trump. Those are all from black people? Right. Here's another comment. From the looks of it, a lot of folks on here have had enough of this administration, Jalen. So the black community pushing back a little bit against that narrative that Joe Biden tried to set. If you're not for me, then you ain't black. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do they not remember that? If you're not for me, if you can't decide whether me or Trump, you ain't black. Let's get back to Jalen Rose being one of the most idiotic people I've ever spoken with. Because I used to be one of those locker room dudes that puts a microphone in your face and asks questions. Just because you're good at basketball does not mean you're an intelligent person. I loved him when he played for the Pacers. Great basketball player. Fab Five, Michigan. But when Jalen Rose gets a camera or a microphone with a large platform... You often get some of the dumbest comments you've ever heard. (laughs) So this was uh, when there were some protests going on in the Milwaukee area and a game between the Milwaukee Bucks and somebody else was delayed because of what happened with Jacob Blake. Here was Jalen Rose. Here's the thing. He wasn't killed. Bingo. <laughs> Jacob Blake is very much alive. Wow. Jalen Rose said he was killed by police on national television. And then somebody at Jeopardy had to have just cracked up laughing. They invited Jalen Rose to come on Celebrity Jeopardy, and he did not disappoint. This New England state is known for chowder, old money, and being the home of TV's Gilmore Girls. Jalen. What is New England? No. New England's not a state, and she literally <laughs> said New England in the question, you moron. The answer was Connecticut, by the way, because that's where Gilmore Girls was filmed and all that I'm kind of crap. I'm not familiar with Gilmore Girls. That would have thrown me, too. But poor Blossom there, what's her name? <laughs> Amy Farrah Fowler, she clearly says, this New England state, and then he rings in, New England. One, it's not a state, and two, she asked it in the question. Good God. Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, yeah! Hammer the inaugural Florida Man Games kicked (laughs) off over the weekend, drawing huge crowd. Huge! Uh, it's this event featuring games that are based off all the crazy stories that come out of Florida. Here are a couple of participants and the organizer. His name's Pete. Drinking beer, having fun with our friends, and then jousting somebody. Wild, <laughs> messy, and hilarious. Alligators, nudity, and drugs. We couldn't get nudity and we couldn't get drugs. But we definitely got alligators out there for sure. Man, honestly... Because I love God and I love America, and I'm here to be a Florida man. <laughs> Are you okay with the Florida man games? 
I'm so mad I didn't get tickets. <laughs> I love this. Why was this not on television? This would be way more interesting than a lot of the crap that gets broadcast right now. I've seen cornhole on TV. Yeah. Bowling's on TV. I've seen it all. People are now playing pickleball on television. You're telling me we couldn't have got... The Florida Man Games, a broadcast crew down there for ESPN, the Ocho, Cotton McKnight and the company, they should have been there. Uh, Florida Man Games include beer belly wrestling. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, participate Participants engaged in the evading arrest obstacle course, <laughs> navigating fences and yards while being pursued by real police officers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. How about the Category 5 cash grab, where contestants try to seize as much money as possible <laughs> with Category 5 winds like a hurricane blowing around? <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't watch yes, this. Yes, ESPN needs to air this live. I Are am kidding? here for this. And on the merch store, maybe we need to have the Florida Games t-shirt. Mm. What was it? Drugs, alligators, and beer? <laughs> I'm here for it, man. Uh, do you want to do this Reddit story? Let's do the Reddit story. Okay. This is this has gone viral, for, viral from Reddit. A, a woman says her husband cheated on her years ago. They went to therapy. They gotten over the past. She says they are in a loving relationship and they have three kids. But his old mistress mistress just sent him a DM and told him she's in hospice care. She wants to see him one last time before she dies. The husband thinks it would be okay if she went with him, uh, but the wife doesn't want him to go and said, no, what do you think? Are you okay with this? So the husband says, hey, wife, come with me. I don't want this to be weird. You can come with me. I want to see this woman that was a part of my life before she dies. And the wife is like, no, that's your side piece. No, 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 no. I'm with the wife on this one. When you're the side piece, you don't get to say goodbye. (laughs) When you're the side piece, you get to die alone because you're not the first choice. Absolutely no go. Allison, as a woman, let me defer to you here. Are you with me on this one? If the side piece dies alone, nobody's going to be upset? I don't think she should die alone, but I don't think she should die. <laughs> oh, stop it! <laughs> but I don't think she should die with uh, you know, this husband by her side either. No, I, I'm with the wife on that. No, the side piece deserves to be trash. <laughs> wow. I mean, come on! Harsh. You don't know the full story. Maybe she didn't know he was married. Okay, real quick If here. there was real love, they would be together right now. Sorry. One more time. One more. Just real quick. This. Did you see this story? An active duty member of the U.S. Air Force set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in D.C. on Sunday. He's died. Uh, he was out of San Antonio, Texas, 25 years old, and said in the video of the incident, quote, no longer could be complicit in genocide and was chanting free Palestine as he burned to death. Self-immolation hammer. Are you okay with this? So this guy set himself on fire to protest what's going on in the Middle East. You're telling me he's dead? Dead. I'm okay with that. Oh, man. No. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the hotline. She is one half of the Chicks on the Right program and WIBC alumni, the lovely and talented Daisy from Chicks on the Right. Daisy, I want to get to South Carolina here in just a little bit, but let's start with this awful story from Georgia. A college student going out for a run ends up being murdered by somebody who should not have been in this country to begin with. And on top of that, somebody who has been arrested already and released. And the thing that just infuriates me more than anything else is you've got certain members of the national media apparatus trying to cover up or conceal the fact that this was an illegal alien that did it. Yeah. They're not talking about it. Like, I appreciate that that Fox and, you know, maybe like a few other networks are reporting on the story. They're the only ones that are doing it, really, and other networks are ignoring it. And this is, oh, my God, this is the worst imaginable thing for a parent, for a family, really. It's horrific. And this girl was a shining star, y'all. Like, just beautiful girl is going to do amazing things with her life. Just wonderful in every way. And then this monster just snuffed her out. It's just tragic. But, you know, last week I saw Joe Biden, he made it a point to – console the the widow of Navalny and so I mean, he had time to do that but I haven't seen him do or say yeah. a, a single thing about this precious girl's murder not a word to her family not a word to anybody who has lost a child at the hand of an illegal what about what about those people you know what about the the women being raped by illegals what about the kids being trafficked what about any any family member that's lost um, somebody to fentanyl there's yeah it's the the number of people that we've lost to to just the border the border issue in general it's it's unbelievable to me and that not a peep from this administration Joe Biden and Kamala told these people to come here they told them they campaigned on it and because of that they have blood on their hands they absolutely do I mean y'all remember. When even back during the 2019, when they were debating about this on a stage, every Democratic presidential candidate raised their hands when they were asked if they would extend health care coverage to illegal immigrants. Every single one of them raised their hands. They invited this. They asked for it, you know, and they have blood on their hands. You've got the Associated Press who runs their story basically saying this happened because she was an athlete. This happened because Uh, she was out running. You've got places like CNN that credit this scumbag as being from Athens, Georgia. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think people who don't follow this kind of stuff closely, the news cycle closely, need to be aware of here. It's disgusting. Right. So her so her skirt was too short. Is that what they're saying? That's essentially what they're saying is her skirt was too short. So this crime happened to her. It's insane. She should be able to go for a run. And this shouldn't have this should not have happened. He should not have been here. So this should not have happened. And like I said, I mean, this is their fault. This is why they're not reporting on it is because, you know, Democrats, the liberal media, they know that this is this is because of Joe Biden and the decisions that he made when he turned around a lot of what Trump did. And he said, well, we just want to re- we want to undo everything that Trump did when it comes to the border. And now this is what's happening. I mean, our our border is a complete mess and people, everybody, not just 
you know, people on our side of the aisle who have been yelling about this for years, but everybody in America is starting to feel the ramifications of it. And Joe Biden's completely disingenuous and, uh, I mean, to a bigger extent, a liar when just a few weeks ago he said, I've done all I can do at the border. It's in the hands of Congress. And now he's Such talking a a completely, he's, he's talking a tough game about, well, now I'm looking, you know, before the State of the Union address, possibly shutting down the border or enacting new um, executive orders having to do with the border and the asylum process. That just proves he's a liar, and he could have been doing something all along about this Absolutely. mess. Absolutely. He is a liar. My God, he's, we, the guy basically is – his whole entire career is based on a lie. He plagiarized his way through law school. He's sure. lied his entire career. I mean, for half a century, that's all this guy does, is, and all he's done is lied. So he, had to, he had to quit a, a campaign, a presidential campaign, because he plagiarized. Right. I mean, so it's it's not like it's not like he's not capable of lying. He's he's lied about so many other things. He he's lied about this, and he could have turned this around. He could have just not undone everything that Trump did, and we wouldn't be in half the mess that we're in now. And for him to push it off on Congress is ridiculous. I mean, this is the guy that last week said, "I'll go ahead and cancel your student loans," <laughs> when he's already been told that he can't do that, and he did that. So give me a break. He, if he wanted to. If he wanted to close the border, he could have done it. Chatting with Daisy from the Chicks on the Right program. So South Carolina primary happened, and it was a blowout, as predicted. Nikki Haley holds a press conference and says, I'm not going anywhere. She's the horrible woman you hook up with, Daisy, that just won't leave. <laughs> she won't leave when you just want her to go away. What are your thoughts? <laughs> She's like Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. She's like, I will not be ignored. Right, right. Yeah, she's like that. Okay, well, now that the whole No Labels Party is snipping around her, right? Because that... They're sort of like this weird, um, I don't even know, there's like, the, they don't they don't have a person, they're just a party, I guess they're, they think they're a party, and they're starting to snip around her with this Dean Phillips dude that's the loser Democrat, and they're thinking that maybe he and her can form some sort of unity ticket, which is bizarre, okay. because... If that happened, then we'd have both an independent ticket with RFK and then a no labels ticket. So then there would be votes pulled from Trump from and uh, Trump and I mean, and Biden from two different places. And I, I don't listen. It was bad enough having RFK as an independent. And and now if that was if they pull her for this no labels thing, which, you know, she hasn't said she's going to do that. But I wouldn't put put it past her because at this point, I don't know what she's doing. I'm not sure what her goal is here, because at this point she should be rallying or if she says she's a Republican, she should be rallying around the best Republican candidate who is right now Trump. Everybody else has rallied. Why can't she? I feel like if she runs as a third party candidate, right, whether it's this no labels thing or whatever else, honestly, I think that hurts Joe Biden more than Trump because the Trump voter, I think, is locked in. You're not changing their mind. You are a Trump supporter. That vote is locked in. But there's a lot of people that hate Joe Biden, too, and maybe they were going to vote for him just because they find Donald Trump to be a complete a-hole, and maybe that was where they were going to go. But if they give, you know, if they have another option, maybe that's where their vote goes. I don't think this hurts Donald Trump. 
I hope you're right. I mean, I just think with with the RFK thrown into the mix, you know, I just this is it makes it very different than any other election that we've had in the past. And so I the only thing that, you know, we have going for us is people getting off their butts and going to the polls. And, you know, in 2022, people didn't do that, Jason. So that's that's the only trepidation that I have is that we have a you know, we have a big bark, but our bite can sometimes be a little less. Um, severe, You know what I mean? And so I get a little worried about our side of the aisle actually getting off their keysters and going to the polls. And that is where it's going to count. Let me ask you both. I'll, I'll, I'll position this question to both of you guys. Is there a chance that Nikki Haley is doing some sort of leverage play here with Donald Trump? Hey, I'll get out of the race, but there are certain concessions that I want from the Trump organization in terms of policy, maybe oh in terms God. of employment, maybe in terms. I mean, look, the reality is Trump, she got 40 percent of the vote in South Carolina and I think Trump needs those votes if he's going to be yeah, successful. But, but the, I think there's such bad blood there, don't you guys think? I mean, they, they she has said some things and done some things and granted, I mean, I know in the past Trump has forgiven people like even you know, the DeSantis camp he's he can make friends with and he's made nice with Ted Cruz in the past and people I know that he can do that. He's capable. But man, this has been ugly and she's been ugly to him. Right. So I don't know. I think you're going to see the art of the deal here. And Donald Trump's yeah. going to say you're in no position to dictate the terms of how this is going to go down. Mm-hmm. I don't you're need right. to hear anything you have to say moving forward. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that's just how I think Donald Trump's going to move forward with this thing. Uh, yeah, let's just. Let's just hope she doesn't start boiling any bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing here before we let you go, Daisy. Uh, how many times have you used Google AI, and when did you find out that George Washington was a black man? <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was Asian. I thought all of our founders were Asian. This is what I'm hearing. I have used it zero times because they're saying, listen, somebody asked. We, we did a bit on this this morning. We were like, I cannot believe this thing. This is such trash, Google AI. But they, somebody asked, is it okay to misgender Caitlyn Jenner to stop a nuclear apocalypse? And Google AI, Google AI was like, mm, no, no, <laughs> it's not okay. What a disastrous I mean, even, rollout for that. It's it's ins- even Caitlyn Jenner was like, listen, I'm okay with you misgendering me <laughs> in the case of a nuclear apocalypse. It was just, it's who like I think this whole thing needs to be burned with fire. It's ridiculous. Like it's we have a little fun with AI on our show. You know, we'll come up with something Donald Trump or Joe Biden would say and use AI, and it's an obvious joke. But this was supposed to be something like an educational tool. This Google yeah. AI machine, and it's a complete woke dumpster fire. Yeah, it is. I mean, when George Washington becomes Asian, you're like, wait a second. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember that. Do you guys remember that? I forgot I about that, that actually, Yeah, I feel like that, that didn't happen. So there, it's actually rewriting history, and that's not okay. Everybody needs to reject this completely. What are you working on at Chicks on the Right? Oh, my gosh. I was saying, you guys, we have a um, – we're meeting up with Glenn Beck this week. We're actually oh, cool. going to, to Dallas, and we're going to be talking to him this week on Thursday and Friday. We'll be at the Blaze Studios. So that's kind of exciting for yeah. us. And then, and of course, there's always crazy stuff going on in the world, and people can join us every morning, and they can just go to our website at chicksontheright.com slash links. I swear to Do God, it. I thought you were going to say Glenn Close. You were making all the <laughs> yeah. uh, the references earlier, and I swear to God, I thought you were going to say, we're actually going to meet up with Glenn Close this week. 
<laughs> no, no, we will not be doing that. We won't. Check him out online, chicksontheright.com. Daisy, you're the best. Talk to you guys soon. All week long, we've got tickets for the Freaks on Parade Tour. Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, August 31st, the Saturday up at Ruoff. Caller number nine was Brian. Brian, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, man. You a Rob Zombie fan? You like Alice Cooper, either one? Both. Awesome. Dude, I saw Alice Cooper open up for Motley Crue a couple years ago. Incredible. I'd never seen Alice Cooper before. I would have gone just just to see Alice Cooper. I've heard he puts on an amazing show. I haven't seen Rob Zombie, but I heard he's pretty wild, too. So here's what we're going to do here, Brian. We're going to play a game called Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall. (laughs) Now, I'm going to read you a uh, little piece of information here. It will either be a piece of information that pertains to Rob Zombie or a piece of information that pertains to our midday host, Rob Kendall. You get two out of three correct. We're going to give you the tickets, okay? Sounds good. Number one, wrote and directed a remake of the classic horror movie Halloween, Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall? Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. All right, one down. Get this next one right. We'll throw a party. We'll give you the tickets. Would often tell chicks in Brownsburg, quote, I have the authority to shut off your water. (laughs) Rob Kendall. Rob Kendall. There we go, baby. Woo! (laughs) And that is how we play Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall. Brian, you won the tickets. That means somebody else has to drive your happy ass to the show. They're the designated driver. You get to go and have fun, all right? Sounds great. Appreciate it. You got to stay on the line, and Allison will take care of you. We've got tickets all through the week. If you didn't get through this time, just relax. We've got tickets all through the week to give away to this show, Nigel. I've never seen Rob Zombie either, and I've never seen one of his movies because... They look intense. Now, you're kind of a slasher flick guy. Mm, like, you grew up watching that stuff. I grew stuff. up watching that stuff. Not so much any, anymore. And, yes, I have the hiccups. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I've not seen the Halloween remakes. I've not seen, you know, um, Three from Hell. Uh, now, he is doing... Did he? Did you watch The Munsters? I did not know he remade The Munsters. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. I haven't seen it, but I remember it. Yes. Oh, no, I would watch that. Because the whole Dragula thing, like the song that we played, that's kind of the vehicle that the Munsters would drive around in. So I don't know what came first, the song or him getting involved in the Munsters because of the song. But that's kind of the genesis of where it came from. Well, the Munsters didn't come out until 2022 okay so it had to have just been as a result of the song but just yeah he's these movies are very like the lords of salem like just just really dark and really violent and really crazy so have fun at the show uh august 31st <laughs> right, great, i love rob zombie <laughs> house of a thousand corpses oh yeah this is the hammer and nigel show